Hello, everyone. I hope you are having a fabulous evening, a terrific Tuesday, and that you are enjoying this October weather. I don't know about you, and I keep saying it, so you're probably like, Alyssa, it's a broken record, but it's no longer a bajillion degrees. And I think today that high was 85. So I was like, oh my gosh, I need a sweater. So I hope you are enjoying this weather as much as I am and that you are having a wonderful evening. Today was fabulous. The kids were great. The teachers were great. And let's really talk about why we're here. So for the last couple of years, I have really been trying to understand the science behind adult motivation because let's face it, adults are hard and leading adults can be extremely hard, especially when you are not quite sure what motivates those adults. And so yesterday I briefly introduced the arc of motivation, especially when it comes down to self-determination theory. And so my questions to you are real quick, do these situations sound familiar? So you have been trained in a very specific coaching protocol. Maybe it is um, Jim Knight's impact cycle. Maybe you're going through a Diane Sweeney's student-centered coaching. Uh, maybe you're using Get Better Faster on your campus. But you have been trained on this very specific protocol. You go in, you're doing the work, and nothing's happening. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been there. I have sat right alongside teachers and I have maybe gone through the exact protocols that I was trained to do in my district, on my campus. But even those moves were not enough. Something was still blocking and hindering teacher progress because what I noticed is Ah, the teacher's just not really motivated. They're seeing coaching as just an extra thing they have to do. Sometimes they would do it because they're like, oh, Alyssa, I love you. Sure, I'll do it. But they, their heart wasn't in it. Or they were just thinking, I want nothing to do with coaching. I ain't got time for it. We ain't going to even go there. Um, maybe you talk to teachers and they're just like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need anything, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is what I equate it to. Um, I hope, hope, hope you've never been in this situation, but if you have lost a loved one and someone comes up to you, maybe a good friend, someone you know, and they're like, oh my gosh, what is it that you need? Well, in that moment, in that moment of grief, you don't know. And, and you really can't compile your thoughts in that moment. You really are just like... I, I don't know what I need. I'm good. I'm, I really am fine. However, we know that things aren't fine. And so maybe in that moment, teachers just don't know what they need. And maybe they're not even motivated to grow at that particular instance. And then sometimes adults just shut down. I have worked alongside teachers where it was just considered an additional thing to do to have this goal, to work towards it, when they're just like, I don't have time for that. I'm so overwhelmed because I have this, I have this, I have this, and then this is happening. I don't want to do anything extra. But 
in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, if you took the time to grow in this area, half of that stuff would be taken off your plate. Or sometimes we work with educators where it's just like, uh, what we've been doing is already working. It's been working forever. Ain't no need to change it. Status quo is accepted and it's actually preferred. So does this sound familiar to any of you? Um, maybe you're not even in the education world and watching this. I know I have some audience members that are office managers or they are managers of companies. Like I have people reach out to me and they're like, okay, yeah, we need to know about this adult motivation. Maybe some of this sounds familiar to you as well. Well, I am here to tell you it's not all lost. It is not completely lost. There is a science behind what motivates adults. And yesterday, I went over these questions a little bit and that often you might hear uh, teachers uh, or instructional coaches or administrators might ask, why do they keep telling me they don't need help with anything? And that kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier. Sometimes we just don't know what we need help with. Um, how can I make them want to implement the feedback that I provide? Why are they so stuck in doing things the same way? And how can I hold team members accountable, especially if we need to get some things done and ain't nobody working? And so really focusing what will motivate our team members into getting those things done. And so we know that with self-determination theory, we have three huge motivating factors, autonomy, relevance, and competence. And today we are just sticking with autonomy. And I get this question asked quite a bit, Alyssa, in a field where there are so many compliance measures, how do I include autonomy? How do I incorporate autonomy? And so I am here today to kind of walk you through how as an instructional coach or as an administrator or as a teacher leader, you can provide autonomy in the day-to-day -day work of teachers. Now, we know that we have to believe in something to put forth extra effort. And sometimes that belief can be, oh, I'm gonna lose my job if I don't do it, but that's not good enough. Um, I like to know that I have freedom over my choices. Um, I like to know that I get to choose. And also we know that people support what they create. That's one of the reasons why I am, um, an advocate for teacher-created lesson plans and teacher-created uh, scope and sequences because we support what we create. I read today, it was actually on Jim Knight's LinkedIn. I cannot take credit for this, but today on Jim Knight's LinkedIn, he posted this quote, when we take away choice, we're deprofessionalizing a profession. That goes for any profession, but especially in a profession where we as educators are fighting to be treated as professionals, why would we take away autonomy? Why would we take away choice from those that we lead? So I'm going to state that again. When we take away choice, we're deprofessionalizing a profession. And we do not want to do that because the moment we do that, we are creating a culture of unmotivated teachers. And that's not what we want. 
So let's go through how we can incorporate autonomy for those that we lead. First of all, with their goals. When teachers are establishing their own goals, providing that autonomy, and I'm not talking about, I feel like there's a lot of problems around teachers establishing goals at the beginning of the year for their, uh, what you know, every state's different on what they call it, but in Texas, it's T-Test. And so teachers at the beginning of the year sit down and they're supposed to generate their goals. But I'm gonna tell you, I have yet to meet a teacher who created a heartfelt, worthy goal that they actually sat and reflected upon because one, they were just given like this blank slate of what's your goal. Have you ever given students a writing prompt and we're just like, write whatever you want to write about. And then all of those kids are looking at you like, Ah, uh, there's zero guidance whatsoever. So, um, you know, I've those there's there's some problems with establishing those specific goals with zero guidance. But what I'm talking about is really questioning and facilitating reflective conversations where teachers can come up with heartfelt goals. And one of the questions that you can ask them is, "What's your biggest pain point?" What is your biggest headache? It is four weeks into school now. Maybe you're six weeks in, some of you nine weeks in. But really think about what is your greatest headache right now? And that when teachers start talking, we're like, well, kids are talking while I'm talking. Kids keep pulling out their cell phones. Um, I can't keep up with all these lesson plans or nobody's wanting when they go and they start putting stuff on paper for independent practice. It, it appears that no one knows what I've asked them to do or that they're not getting it. And so maybe these are some of their pain points. And when you get them starting to paint that picture, they start creating this vision for themselves. And that's what you want to do. You want to pull them in to really seeing what their problem is so that they'll stop saying, nah, I don't need anything. I'm good. Everybody needs something at some point. Now, the second thing that I want you to consider with goals is what are students currently not doing that you want them to do? And I'm telling you, this is my favorite question. Again, learned from Jim Knight talking about what is it that I want my students to do and they're nowhere near doing it. But man, I would love for them to just walk into the classroom and get started without pushing each other and taking selfies and doing a TikTok video and, you know, punching each other. Like I would just love for them to come in and do this. Or I would love for every student to come to class with a fully charged Chromebook. <laughs> I mean, you just really have the teachers again, paint the picture of what they want that they don't currently have. Because do you see what I'm doing here? When I facilitate these conversations with teachers, I'm getting them to create their dream situation and it's going to motivate them to want to do it. Now, the third thing that we're gonna look at is what would be the perfect learning experience? What would your students be doing 
list it out, paint that picture. And what would the teacher be doing? Paint that picture. Oftentimes I get the response of what the teacher would be doing is I'm doing a lot more of facilitating of deep conversations. My students are asking higher level questions among each other and they're actually researching and answering like all of these are beautiful things and that we want to accomplish in our classrooms and guess what it's not impossible and with the assistance of a coach it can happen so right now you're just getting the teacher to paint that picture so what is the difference between your desired learning experience and your current reality? And really having that conversation, what does it look like, what ain't going on, and what is going on so that we can see the big difference. And then finally, when you are trying to provide autonomy in teachers' goals, the other thing that you can do in this, again, Jim Knight is to create a clear picture of reality. That's through videoing a class where, you know, they are giving you permission to come in and record student interactions during instruction, provide student surveys, go in for an observation and give feedback. Um, these are various ways that you can paint a clear picture of reality for the teacher so that they can choose their own goals. It is problematic when the administrator or the coach chooses the goal for the teacher. It's not going to be effective. What we need to do is facilitate conversations around reality, what they want, what they need, so that there is more motivation to accomplish it. Because when we are asking someone to work towards a goal, we're not just asking them to, hey, learn a little bit and implement it. We are asking them to take additional time. And we know teachers don't have a lot of time. Any educator doesn't have a lot of time. We are asking them to be vulnerable, which I'm sorry, but as an adult, as a teacher, you are working with egos. I always say this on the campuses that I go to uh, throughout the week. Adult, when you work with adults, you're working with egos. Most of them have multiple degrees. They have been teaching for a while. They have had some great successes. They've had some not great successes. But you, when you are dealing with egos, you need to facilitate those conversations to where they are choosing their own journey. You're not choosing it for them. Because if I'm going to ask someone to be vulnerable with me, then they need to feel comfortable with me. It needs to be something that they're really willing to work on. If I hand it to them and then I ask them to be vulnerable and they're like, but I have three degrees. I have been teaching for 20 years and why do I need to be vulnerable? But if they choose their goal, they know why they need to be vulnerable. So not, I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but I really want to emphasize teachers deserve the right to choose their own goals. And just like Jim Knight said in his quote, when we remove choice, we are deprofessionalizing the profession. We need to trust the adults that we have the privilege to lead. Now, let's talk about the second way we can incorporate autonomy into the teacher's coaching cycles. Lesson plans. 
People support what they create. When we remove the creation, we hinder the teacher's understanding of the lesson itself. That actually grows competence. If they are not part of the creation, they don't fully understand the content, no matter how much they study it. So if uh, anyone is watching who's part of our legislative session and you're looking for state mandated curriculum, I do want to just let you know, people do not fully comprehend unless they are part of that creation that we are um, wanting people to support lessons. If we're wanting them to support curriculum, they need to be a part of the creation of it. So the first thing that we do to ensure lesson plan choice is the entire team needs to have the same understanding of the learning intentions based on the standards. So across the board, we will have the same learning intentions. And based on that, we will then have the same success criteria. At that point, teachers can go and lesson plan on their own. There is no need to have lockstep lessons, this for this. There needs to be lockstep learning intention and success criteria. That's what needs to be aligned. So if we are offering learning intentions and success criteria that is aligned across the entire team, now individuals can go and choose the lessons they want to create. They can do it in a team. They can do it in partnerships. However, have you ever sat in a meeting where teachers start bickering at one another because they want to do it this way and then they want to do it this way? And do you know what ends up happening? Everyone does it their own way anyways, but you've just wasted an entire team meeting because one person sat there in silence while the other people planned what they wanted. And then this person got nothing done. So that is going to hinder motivation. Um, and what we want them to do is be able to have that autonomy. And then how do you relate to the learning intention and success criteria? Everyone comes to the table with different lived experiences. So ask yourself, okay, if I am looking at this particular standard, how have I experienced it. So as someone who grew up on a farm, if I am studying moon phases, I could easily talk about sitting on top of a trailer, gazing up at the stars. And when there was a certain type of moon, I could tell what, what time of year it was or what part of the month it was, or have some kind of connection that way. Or I need to consider who is sitting in my classroom. Because as someone who taught in the city, <laughs> they ain't going to connect to a farm story. But what they will connect to is something that they have experienced in their own life. So as learners, what strategies work for you to achieve the success criteria? What did you learn? What stuck? And so asking yourself as a learner, how did I do this? Um, Kate Roberts, in her book, A Novel Approach, 
talks about taking a step back and observing yourself as a reader to truly understand how you uh, discovered the, the, the answer to a problem. And really asking yourself, no matter the content you teach, how did I learn to solve this? How do I solve this? And I kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but also saying who is in your classroom what will appeal to them, and what will engage them. Because I'm going to tell you right now, every class is different. And oftentimes, one group of students might be in someone's classroom, but then in, in, in my peers' classroom, there's a different group of students with different experiences. And so we need to take those things into consideration when we are developing those lesson plans. I have a comment here from Melissa Morrison. It says, I hope I am providing autonomy for teachers in my coaching. I do have them focus on the area they choose in the area in which I'm hired to coach. I do not have much to do with lesson plans, but I think this for lesson plans is an effective one. Absolutely, Melissa. And you know what? You're doing the right stuff, that you have them focus on the areas they want to work on. Yes, you're hired to work with them in a specific content, but even within there, they have choice. And remember earlier, I had mentioned those T-test goals at the beginning of the school year or any state mandated goals at the beginning of a school year when it just says, what's your goal? What's your student-centered goal? What's your goal? It's too broad. And so we give them Freedom within form, essentially, where there is this guidance, there are these questions. So even notice when we are looking at the different ways that we can provide choice and lesson plans, there's still form here. It's freedom within form. Everyone is, is responsible for the learning intentions and success criteria. That is how we guarantee a viable curriculum for all learners. So whichever classroom they're going to be in, everyone's held to the same standard. But then we have freedom of how we get our students there. And that is where the coaching magic can happen. And teachers are motivated to create those things either on their own or with a partner. I mean, sometimes the whole team might want to do it, but there is choice and they are not mandated to do the exact same lesson as their peers. Because again, when we remove choice, we are deprofessionalizing the profession. Now, our final stop for tonight is strategies. And I'm not talking about in, like strategies of how do you find theme in a text or how do you solve for why. What I'm talking about are strategies that are going to impact pedagogy in the classroom. They are going to impact student learning. So motivate adults through letting them choose the strategy they want to use. When we position teachers as the decision makers, they automatically will have more trust in you. Remember, you are the Yoda of their journey. They are the hero. You are just the guide. They should be the decision maker. So the first thing you're going to do is just look at what is the teacher's goal, which they already created on their own. You didn't give it to them. This was of their own choosing. What is the lens of focus 
you want me to have when I walk into your room. So last week I was in a school district and we were working on, we were doing a coaching lab. And before we went into the teacher's classroom, there were about 13 coaches and we were sitting, all 13 were going into this teacher's classroom, which she was, she was well aware of. She knew everything had been prepped, but we had asked her about her goal. The coach on that campus had talked to her about her goal and had asked for permission. What is the lens in which you want us to focus? The teacher chose the lens. It was based on her goal. I want to repeat that or kind of like show you the connection. If I ask the teacher for permission on what I can provide them feedback on and they tailor it towards their goal, I am automatically helping to reduce overwhelm. Why? Because I'm not the only person giving them feedback. Someone else is probably, an administrator is going to come in and give them feedback. A department chair might come in and give them feedback. A coordinator might come in and give them feedback. Students are going to give them feedback. But if they are only giving them feedback on the lens in which the teacher has given them permission, you're reducing the amount of noise that is coming at them. That is super powerful. So that right there, my friend, is a choice that you are going to provide them when it comes to the strategies that you will then suggest. Now, the next one is, oh, it went the wrong way. I'm so sorry. I keep doing this. All right. The second one, what are the facts? When you go into the classroom, avoid judgmental language. I want you to just give them the facts. You had 37 students in your classroom. You asked five essential questions during that class period. During that class period, you asked five essential questions. Out of those five questions, on average, only 10 students responded. That right there is non-judgmental. It's not saying we need to work on questioning strategies. It's not saying um, your kids are not engaged. You, you, they are not working. You need to do this, this, and this. We are just stating the facts. Because then when you state the facts, you are going to inquire to inspire. And you are going to ask questions that elicit reflection. So if I'm asking them, if I'm stated those facts, there were only 10 students on average out of 37 who responded to five questions. Some questions that I could ask to elicit reflection is, what do you think would get more students involved in responding to the questions? How can we increase student participation and get them engaged in a really rock solid discussion? So as you're asking these questions around the facts that the teacher gave you permission to provide, they're starting to think of ways to solve their own problem. Bam, you are strengthening motivation, adult motivation. Let's say you're not in the education world and you're like, okay, how does this apply? Same thing. When you are providing feedback, you state the facts, 
you ask questions to elicit reflection so they start generating their own solutions. One thing that we are noticing, and I hear it all the time, I hear it from my family, I hear it from the older generation, well, people just don't know how to problem solve these days. Well, guess what? Asking these questions is going to foster problem solving muscles in our brains. Then, after we inquire to inspire, we are going to provide two to three strategies out of our tool belt that could solve their solution. And what I like to do is ask them first, are you okay if I show you a couple strategies that would fit alongside what you're saying? Usually I get a, yes, that's great. I've never gotten a no. <laughs> Let's just say that I've never gotten a no. But I show them two to three strategies and I like to mix it up. Sometimes I show them strategies where, um, especially if I know that a teacher is very much a like drill sergeant, you know, I don't want my kids up and moving. I don't want this, even though I want their kids up and moving. I ain't going to push that just yet. So I might provide some strategies where the students are more sedentary or I might even throw in something where the kids have to get up and move a little bit just to, you know, add a little spice to their day. But I ask, I go over each of the strategies and then, and they all solve the same problem. And then the teacher chooses which one they want to try. So I want you to think of that as an educator. If you are provided with the choice in your own goal, the choice in the feedback that you receive, you've been asked questions to reflect on your own solution, and then you choose the strategy that the coach has given you, like, aren't you going to be more motivated to accomplish it than if someone just handed it to you? Notice how much more motivating that is than just slapping it to the side. Now, I will tell you this, it takes a little more time to go through this. And I have spoken with administrator after administrator. I ain't got time for that. I'm just going to give them their goal. We got to get moving. Like we have things to do. But there is fault in that because we need to go slow to go fast. Because yes, you can hand them that goal. That's the fast part. It was fast to hand them the goal. But are they going to achieve that goal? No, nope, they won't. Are students going to benefit from them not achieving the goal? No. So take a little more time on your end to provide these opportunities for autonomy. And guess what? The teacher will achieve the goal a lot faster and students will begin to reap the rewards. So that is something I want you to consider. You might think it's faster just to hand it to them. It's not because adults are not motivated by directives. Adults are motivated by choice. And then the final way that you can incorporate motivation when it comes to strategies is by working alongside the teacher to create your own strategy. Even if you don't have this giant playbook of all these different strategies, work alongside the teacher. Ask these questions. Okay, how could this look in the classroom? What's step one? What's step two? What's step three? And because remember what I said earlier, if we create it, we're more invested 
in it. We own what we create. We don't necessarily own what's handed to us. Does it take more time? It does. But does it take more? It actually quickens the time it takes to achieve a goal. So that is our conversation tonight around adults and autonomy. We can provide autonomy through goal setting, through lesson plans, and through strategies. So these are three ways that we can really amplify autonomy and get that motivation pumping. Now, I do want to tell you tomorrow, Wednesday, October 11th at 6 p.m., we are going to have a similar conversation, but all around relevancy. We're going to get into the R of ARC and talking about different ways that we can make coaching relevant to the teachers that we have the privilege to lead. And then Thursday, October 12th at 7, we are going to dive into competency and how to strengthen the competence. And what I mean by that is really ensuring that teachers feel secure because they know the what and the how and that they can achieve that goal and they're motivated to work towards it. So I hope this was helpful, my friends. If you have any questions, be sure that you send them to me. You can send them in the um, replay, you can a chat section, you can send them in a DM, in an email. But I also want to remind you that there is a handout that when you registered for this event, you could have signed up for it. So let me make sure that you have access. It is a bit.ly, it's C-C-C-A-R-C. So let me also put this in the chat so you can grab it. So uh, download. And I'm just going to put it bit.ly backslash cccarc. So I just put it in the chat. Be sure that you grab that so you can follow along tomorrow. Um, and I hope to see you tomorrow, six o'clock. It's a little different, six o'clock tomorrow night. And um, thank you for joining us. It was so good to see you. And I will see you tomorrow. Bye, everyone.